Good morning, Lake Homa. When I was eight years old, my dad, as you know, my parents worked at a children's home. And so they were always around boys. There were boys my age, and there were some that were older that were in our house from time to time. Many of them had very difficult problems. Many of them struggled with life. They, their parents, they didn't even know where they are. Some of them didn't. And so it was a very difficult time. And they had a lot of kids that they were responsible for. And I remember when I was eight uh, that my dad actually wanted to take all of them, all of us out and let us see some of the sights around uh, Tipton. And so we went to Wichita Mountains to go to the Holy Lands or the Holy City there by Lawton, Oklahoma. And it was in an old van. I mean, I can remember the van. I don't even know if it had air conditioning, but this was way back when, if you know what I mean. And so as they were, we were driving there, before we got there, we had a flat tire. And I think we were about two miles from the Holy City. There was nothing we could do except my, our dad gave us a piece of an ice cube out of the ice chest, gave it to us to, to put in our mouths, and then we went off on a trek, two miles, in a hundred degree heat, of course. Well, two of the older kids went with a man who was there who took them into town with the tire to get it fixed to bring it back to put it on and then to drive it to uh, the holy city so we made that trek and i can just tell you it was memorable we were sweating we were complaining we were thirsty and i've never been so thirsty in my life then when we got to the holy city and there was one fountain there that anybody could drink from and all of us drank from that fountain. We couldn't get enough. And not only did we not have, drink, did we not have water during that whole trip until we got to the Holy City, we didn't have anything to eat. So for a couple of hours while they were doing that, we didn't have anything to eat. We were tired, we were hungry. And then we were craving something to eat. And I can just remember when Dad pulled out that ice chest and gave each of us a bologna sandwich. Mm. May not be the best, but if you're hungry, you'll eat almost anything. Let me ask you a question. What do you hunger and thirst after? No, really, I mean, what's, the, what's your craving? What's the craving of your heart? Who's the craving of your heart? Who do you crave after more than anything else in this world? As we get into the Sermon on the Mount, as we think about the Sermon on the Mount, as we are looking at the Beatitudes, remember that there is this hillside filled with people, Warren, tired and thirsty blessed are the poor blessed are the poor blessed are those that mourn blessed are those that are meek blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be satisfied they shall be satisfied remember that this is kingdom language. That Jesus is inviting people into his kingdom. 
And he's inviting all those who are poor, all those who mourn, all those who are meek, all those who are hungry and thirsty after goodness to come to him and be a part of his kingdom. Not the perfect, not the ones that had everything right. Not, they're welcome too, but this was to all those who were struggling. And he's saying, I want to give you an invitation to be a part of my kingdom. Blessed are the poor, for you shall inherit the kingdom. Blessed are those who are mourned, for you shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for you shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, because you will be satisfied. You will be filled. When you think of those words, I think of righteousness, I think of hungry and thirsty, I think of those things. And I also think about this mountainside. It's just something I think of every time I read about the Sermon on the Mount. I go back to Mount Sinai. And the reason is, is in in Deuteronomy chapter 18, it says that God says, I'm going to raise up a prophet like you, Moses, like you, who will be a prophet, who will save the world. This is Jesus on the mountain, just like Moses was on the mountain. And so you have this imagery of the mountainside there and this wilderness motif. And when I think about wilderness motif, when I think about the wilderness and I think about these individuals out there, I think about this hungry and thirsty, this craving that the Israelite people had as they came out of Egypt. And you see, as they came out of Egypt, they had this this craving for water because they were thirsty. They had this craving for food for food. And so that food that they craved for, God gave them manna, but then they craved even more. It's not like they didn't have food. I mean, they were complaining. They said, why don't you give us meat to eat? Why don't you give us meat to eat? And they had this craving for a particular type of food. They had food. Man, that came out of Egypt with tons of flocks and tons of livestock. That's what it says. Go look it up. I think it's chapter 12 in Exodus or 13. They had all that. And now, all of a sudden, they want something different and they demand it from God. And when they have that craving, what happens? What happens? Well, the meat, this is verse 33 of Numbers chapter 11. While the meat was yet between their teeth, Before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people. The Lord struck down the people with a very great plague. Brothers and sisters, there's a hunger and thirst that is good. And then there's a hunger and thirst that is bad. God wants us to hunger and thirst after righteousness after righteousness but exactly what is that what is that before we get in to our text today about the hungry and thirsting for righteousness let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer God as we come before you we see two scenes here we see people who are hungry and thirsty for doing what is right And on the other side, we see a motif in the wilderness is uh, hungry and thirsty after what we want. Lord, I'm afraid sometimes I'm more like the people in Moses' day. 
that I want what I want. <clears throat> I crave what I crave. And I want you to give it to me because I want it. Lord, oh, that my heart was changed to hunger and thirst after what you want for me in my life. After your laws, your precepts, your, your rules, they're righteous, they're so good for me. And Lord, many times I crave after those things that aren't good for me. I pray that you'll be with us. I pray that you'll be with everyone listening to this. And that you will help them on their journey of faith. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do for us. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let me talk just a moment about righteousness. First and all, righteousness is not something that you or I can do. We can't. See, in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, it says, All have sinned and fallen short. That's not it. But it's Romans, it just says, No one is righteous. No, not one. There's not one of us that's righteous. Not a one of us. In other words, what righteousness comes from God. And righteousness is a free gift from God. Not something we can earn on our own. This is something that is a gift to us. God reckons unto us as righteous. He looks at us and sees us as righteous because I am not righteous. All of us can look at our own lives and we say, I don't measure up. We don't measure up. We don't measure up to these things. I, I know in my life I've failed. And yet because of the blood of Christ, because of his grace, he sees you and me as righteous. Look at this right here. This passage of scripture in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if because of one man's trespasses, death reigned through that one man. Much more would those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. That one man where the trespass came was Adam. The one man where life came was through Jesus Christ. Grace came through him. A gift of righteousness came through him. Now remember, as we're talking about this kingdom language, as we're talking about the kingdom of God, as we're talking about being invited into the kingdom of heaven, into God's kingdom, he's looking for people who don't have it all right. He is, this is an, an invitation to come and join him all are welcome. You are welcomed to come to him. Jesus, listen, listen, Jesus loves us so much that in the state that you are right now, wherever you are, in the state that you are right now, Jesus wants to sit down with you and, and have a conversation with you. Have you ever imagined that? sitting down with Jesus 
And him having a conversation with you because he loves you. And you don't have to have everything exactly right in your life. You doesn't have to be. He loves you. He loves you as, as you are. Now, he doesn't want us to stay that way. Why? Because it's not good for us. It's not good for me to live in sin because he knows his love. He loves us so much that he wants you to have a path of righteousness, having a path that goes toward righteousness. He wants you to hunger and thirst after that righteousness. So God gives us this position that he has, that position of righteousness. But it's also a practice. This practice is living out God's God's demands, God's rules, God's laws, God's love. It's not like these things are burdensome. That's what John says in 1 John. It's not like all of this is burdensome. We think, oh my goodness, this is such a burden on me that I have to do what's right all the time. His laws are not burdensome. His laws are love. And we should crave them with all of our heart. Here's what righteousness is. Righteousness is having a right relationship with God, with others, and with men. It's basically the word shalom. It's basically the word peace. Shalom is putting everything in the right relationship. Everything in a right relationship. Having proper relationships with God, having proper relationships with others, having a proper relationship with your own heart, my soul. When I think about shalom, shalom is the idea of putting everything in its right place. I think about all those people on that hillside who were struggling. Like many of those children in that children's home where I grew up, many of them struggled in their lives. They lacked the peace that came from having a family that surrounded them. And even though my parents did a fantastic, wonderful job of offering that to them, God was the only one that could heal their hearts. Could heal their hearts. I know many of them still struggle to this day. Many of those children that I grew up with struggle. And on that hillside that day, Jesus is looking at those who are poor in spirit. He's looking at those who mourn. He's looking at those who are meek, who are downtrodden. He's looking at those who are hungry and thirsty and they want to do what's right. And they're striving to do what's right in a world that seems to be a chaos. <laughs> Doesn't sound much different than what we're doing right now, does it? Seems like we're in a world of chaos and we're trying to figure out what is right and what is wrong. In Psalm 
107 verse 9, it says this, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. God longs for our hearts to be at peace. He longs for our hearts to be at peace. There have been many times in my life when I've had this, this ache, this tension between right and wrong. Ever been there? And that tension is, is, it is, it is a powerful weapon. Because it just seems like many times I'm being pulled in the right way and many times I'm being pulled in the wrong way and that tension there it's almost sometimes like a rubber band. It just kind of just continues to pull and go back and forth. And I feel like Paul sometimes. The things I want to do, I don't do. <laughs> Let me read some of those passages to you from, from Romans chapter 7. And it says this. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. <clears throat> For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. When I want to do right, evil lies close at hand waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That's the tension. That's the tension. The good, the bad, the tension with inside of each one of us for righteousness. We hunger, we thirst, but we have this, we have this ache with inside of us of this tension that's there. Can I, can I let you in on a secret? Can I let you know something that's just powerful? God is with you in the tension. Jesus is with you in the tension. He hasn't abandoned you. He doesn't abandon us in that time where we've got this tension between right and wrong. He's there with us. He's there with us. That is good news because here's what he says, that next verse, which I haven't read yet. You, you probably saw it on the screen, but let me read it again. It says this, There is therefore no, now no condemnation, condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of us want to have wanted to give up because of this tension? How many of us still struggle with this, this tension that just keeps moving us and trying to pull us in a way towards sin? And that's Satan. We understand who it is. We understand what it is. We understand that it's there. All of us have that tension in our lives, and yet we want to do what is right. And we want to follow God, but there's this evil thing that keeps pulling and pushing and pulling God is on your side. 
God is on your side. He is on our side. And Jesus is offering to all those who are there on that hillside, all those who are broken, all those who have sin in their life, the drunkard, the adulterer, the whoever, the murderer, and he looks at them and he says, I am on your side. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, the thing about hungry, being hungry and thirsty is once you're satisfied, it didn't take long before you're not satisfied again. You've got to find some more. It's a constant, isn't it? Constantly, I'm thinking about food. I don't know about you, but I constantly think about food. What am I going to have this morning? What am I going to have at lunch? What am I going to have at dinner time? What am I going to have? Right now, I've got a banana right here this morning that I'm going to eat. But don't we do that? Don't we worry about what we eat and wonder about what we're going to eat? But see, there is something that Jesus is offering to all those on the hillside. He is the bread of life. He is that which we ought to drink. He is what we should consume. There is a hunger and there is a thirst that can be satisfied with Jesus Christ. With Him. We can be satisfied with Jesus Christ. That hunger and thirst. And Jesus says this. He says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am lowly, meek, and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Listen to how Isaiah puts it in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 3. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread? and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, here that your soul may live. Here that your soul may live. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were, some of them were probably on that mountain that day. We know that Jesus had a run-in with them more often than not. 
that had they had a way of looking at righteousness differently. It was kind of what they demanded of all the people in that hillside. Here's what you have to do. Here's how you have to do it. And if you don't do it this way, you're not living a righteous life. In many ways, I think sometimes that's how we've pushed even our own faith. Here's what you have to do. Here's what you have to be. And there's these rules that we put around and put on top of God's word. And God says this. Go learn what this means. Jesus said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. God blesses the desire, not just the doing. Let me ask, is the doing important? It is if you come at it with the right attitude. I'm not doing it to earn anything. I can't earn my way into heaven. And yet, many times, that's how I I believe we have approached faith You've got to do this, 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 this in order to get to heaven. And if you do these things, get all these things, make sure that you've got them all done, then you're going to attain to this and you can get into heaven because you've punched your card. There's not enough we can do. There's not one thing we can do. There's not enough. I can't do enough. Why? Because I know my heart. I know my heart. You know your heart. And God is on our side. And God is with us in that desire that we have. And sometimes, even though I have the desire, I don't do what's right, just like Paul did. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, that there is no condemnation through Him. He's on my side. He's there with us. I am hungry. And I am thirsty. For my Lord and my Savior, who is the righteousness of my life. It's a gift that God has given me. His Son. His Son. He's given me His Son. Here, inside. And He knows my desires. He knows my pains. He knows my thoughts. And he asked me one thing. You keep eating and you keep drinking me. You keep eating and you keep drinking me. I pray that each and every one of you are hungry and thirsty for Jesus, for righteousness, as God puts it. I pray that shalom 
will be with all of you. That you have peace with your God. That you have peace with others, meaning your family. And that you have a peace even within your own heart. I pray that you're satisfied with Jesus. Thank you. May God bless you.